Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We are back. The bleachers are open. I'm inside. And most of the reason for that is because yesterday uh, was the one of the hottest days of the beginning of summer for Houston. And uh, it was about 91 degrees. But the humidity was about 100. And it made it feel like temperature was 101. So here I am indoors, casual t-shirt. I, I finally got my... Uh, this calls for the low stinger uh, T-shirt from Link Soul. Tuttle had it on last week. Tuttle's repping some new uh, new gear we're trying out. A little yeah. more baseball-oriented uh, T-shirt from Ram Shirts, who does a great job on our website. Just Geek and Solutions puts up our website. It's bleacherblums.com. So make sure you get out there and check it out because we got swag, we got mailbag, we got archives. And you get to know a little bit more about Tuttle and I, which is kind of cool, too. We haven't updated that in a while. So you'll know us from what 71 podcasts ago 70 podcasts ago since this is number 71 but it's been a good time and just to give you an idea of what's on tap because i printed this out and i need to use the specs uh mlb has uh we keep talking about their proposal but they actually have some player safety uh, rules they put in for staff and players and the owners have claimed that they are going to lose four billion dollars oh, this wow. season so we'll maybe touch on that a little bit. And I think that people need to understand that's over a full season. Uh, it's not going to be the half season they're talking about. But without fans out there, it's obviously going to have a little bit of a crunch on them. And uh, golf was played this weekend. It wasn't necessarily overly exciting, but it was a live sporting event that I think a lot of us tuned into who like golf. But uh, I'm not sure if uh, everybody enjoyed it. Uh, and next week... We'll talk about it a little bit, too. We're going to see Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning go out there and play for a good cause. That's probably the best thing about this. You guys are actually doing it for charity. And then uh, we're going to have some thoughts on NASCAR. And I, I think it's easy for me to say right now that Tuttle and I combined may not rack up too much knowledge in the NASCAR region. I have a brother-in-law who, who builds Baja, fabricates Baja racing cars. Uh, we, the guy who runs social Nostra, Kevin Perkins, luckily sent us some notes. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then obviously what'll total say Blum's blast is going to come at you. I've got an interesting take on a topic that we talk about quite frequently on this podcast regarding parenting and club sports and things. And, uh, Tuttle, now that we know what's on tap that is brought to us by St. Arnold, how are you doing, man? How are things going out there in Westworld? I'm doing great. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, you guys can all see, I got a little haircut finally. Got tightened and, uh, up. Yeah. I don't have the long do. I shaved the beard. I mean, I feel like, you know, we look like brothers again. You've had the we barber do. coming out to the house a million times, but uh, I'm feeling really, really good. I'm feeling like, um, I guess I say this every podcast, I keep feeling like um, the end is near, you know, and not in the, uh, not in the bad way, in the good way, the end is near and, you know, who knows what the new normal will look like. I love that you were telling us about the weather in uh, H-Town there, because I always felt like, and we touched on this, gosh, we're at podcast 71, which I can't believe, but maybe back in the first 10 to 15 podcasts about how I do not care about the weather here in Southern California and my son and my wife are always like, what's the weather going to be today? And I'm like, yeah, uh, about 70, you know, maybe a little overcast yep. and some sunshine, but 
But when you played baseball, you had to be like this science major, you know, you know, meteorologist, you're out there like, all right, what's the wind current? But I remember specifically late July playing in Macon in Savannah, Georgia, Macon, Georgia. And man, the USA Today always has that cool map on the back of it, right? With the color coding. And we were in this like, we were in a color I had never seen before, you know, it went from orange to this like dried blood red as you went in there. And so it's like, yeah, today it's going to be 98 in Macon, but the humidity is 120%. And that makes it feel like the heat index is like 107. And you're like, what? Yeah. 107. You're, you're like so, in the molten hot lava portion yeah. of, the, of the country. <laughs> right. But you're also having to be this science meteorologist kind of like, all you want to do is go out and play baseball and BP gets rained out. And back then, I mean, I say back then, like it was a hundred years ago, we weren't wearing wool uniforms, but you know, we had the old, like, you know, oh, hand me down minor league uniforms out, you know, you're, you're through like three shirts. We anyway, didn't even have dry fit back then. It was a cotton t-shirt you were sweating through. That's my point. And then it was actually harder to take it off in inning three <laughs> and put on a new shirt than it was just to leave this like soaked rag like on your body. <laughs> like, so I, I never figured out a good way to do that. And I remember, you know, sometimes like after batting practice, doing my workout or shagging the fly balls, coming in and actually showering before the game just to get kind of dialed in. But I, I guess, you know, this all started from when you asked me how, how I am. I just thought it's funny that now still as a retired ball player, you're like, yeah, you know, think about going golfing, but you know, we got the humidity up to 90, you know, percent and now it's 88 degrees out and I'm in, I'm in the house. And anyway, just funny because I mean, those days, you know, that was every single day when we were playing professional baseball. And now I just, maybe it's because I'm spoiled and I live here in Southern California, but uh, man, I remember looking at the the heat index and those colors, they were colors I'd never seen on the USA Today map. But, uh, Dude, I am so with you on that. And, it, it, you know, you're, you're a meteorologist, a rookie meteorologist every day in the minor leagues. And it felt like you were looking at the weather and you're right. When you play in those Southern States, like I spent a, uh, a summer in West Palm beach which was nice because we were on the beach. At least we had a little bit of relief. But at the same time, you're talking about those five o'clock rain showers. We got rained out every single batting practice from, I think, July through the end of the season. And we would come back outside. And you just, I mean, the steam and the stick and the funk that was out there it was so nasty. And to Tuttle's point, and I'll touch on this later when we talk about the Major League proposal, because there's a couple of interesting caveats in there that I was reading about. And... Man, the funk that you, the way I, you didn't realize how bad a human body could smell until you played in the Florida State League, or like you said, which was probably the Southern League down there in Georgia or whatever it was. I mean, dude, and cotton doesn't breathe. The polyester uniforms we wore didn't breathe. They were heavy as hell. They didn't fit right. And it just led to all kinds of issues, which is, I mean, it's good to look back on. And it's kind of fun to think about as a kid. You know, I don't remember really worrying about, because I grew up in the Inland Valley of LA. It would be 100 degrees there every day during the summer, but I I don't remember bitching and moaning as much as I did when I was a big leaguer about the weather. You just kind of went out there and you're like, dude, we're going to go out and play some baseball and have some fun, or we're going to play, let's go play football out front. And it'd be 110 degrees and you'd come back beat red and exhausted, but you were just, I'm a kid. I didn't even think about it. No. And, and when you think about now that we give shout out to first responders and I've gotten into yeah. CrossFit over the past five years and, you know, we have these hero workouts and we honor the fallen soldiers, you know, what the hell were we complaining about? I mean, it's hilarious to think because I was the same way in high school. My high school baseball field had a skin infield and I played third base. No and, way. you know, 
Yeah, they didn't like groom that thing. I mean, it, they added grass like right after I left, but it was just one of those fields that had, you know, it was dirt pick, the whole way. You picked the rocks out of the way. And oh, yeah, you picked the rocks. But, yeah, but man, the, you, they hit some screamers down to third base, but you weren't down there going, oh, man, you know, why can't they plant some grass here? You just, you go play third base and then this is what you got to do. <laughs> That's right. You're picking stuff down there. And, you know, it was great. It was just reaction time. You know, they would yep. hit these one hop skippers off your concrete infield. And it was like, yeah, if you got it, you got it. If you didn't, you didn't. And, and to finish that point is, I just think it's a little embarrassing because as you said, sometimes you have this vision. Now you get these different levels of what's achievable or what's attainable, you know, even going to major league spring training and then going down to triple a or double a <laughs> you're like, Hey, you know, I was up there with the big leaguers. They got groundskeepers. They got all the stuff. And, uh, you know the minor cooler up there yeah that's right it's 10 degrees cooler in the big leagues but as a big leaguer like complaining when there's some guy like edging the field with like a fine tooth comb and using Literally. a toothbrush to clean your cleats and stuff and you're like you got nothing to complain about and yeah. i think it's really refreshing to actually relive it here on the podcast and be like you know what i can tell those stories about making in savannah and pitching in that weather and you know having batting practice rained out but as you said, for the most part, it's been a blessed and charmed existence <laughs> once you got past all the stuff that you did when you were a kid anyway, when you didn't care about it. So, Yeah, that's so true. Uh, yeah. The weather was non-factor. I mean, I remember a big league game. It was about 120 degrees and you're running back in. I can't wait till we get the third out so I can get off the field, you know, stuff like that. But you, you endure it for the love of the game. And I've got a question for you because I actually had an opportunity to go on uh, a podcast yesterday with one of our, I guess we say co-workers or co-vodcasters, podcasters, whatever we're working with inside the social Nostra network. And her name is Lauren house. She's literally just started podcasting maybe about 15 minutes ago and she's doing a lot of dating and uh, you know, the psychology of it and things like that. And she wanted to ask, she, she's been on dates and she asked the question, you know, what does it mean when a guy asks, you know, are you into sports? You know, how much of an impact does it have on a relationship? And me being an ex-athlete, you being an ex-athlete, uh, both of us having pretty successful marriages. Was that even a thought when you first started dating your wife, Addie? I, I don't I don't feel like it was a big issue for me. You know, I kind of felt that it was great that my wife, Corey, at the time thought I was in the military. She thought, you know, I had the high and tight. I was jacked out of my mind. And she was like, oh, I thought for sure you were in the Marines. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, we found a way to kind of navigate. I love watching sports, but we kind of found a way to navigate that a little bit. But was that a big aspect for you? It wasn't. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. And I guess we, we can get a little personal on our podcast as we do, um, <clears throat> as my voice cracks. <sighs> yeah, we're, um, we're getting serious now. So my wife, my wife is not into sports at all. And I shouldn't say that I'll, there's a caveat because I call it non sports, but my wife was way into the Olympics and swimming. She rode a little bit okay. in college at UCLA. And then she was into like oh, triathlon. Wow. So she did like swimming and she did, you know, so running. She's a better athlete than both of us put together. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> I, maybe not anymore, but you know, no, <laughs> but yes. Yes, I mean, certainly more diverse and, and a more fitness driven type of sport. You know, when you see those triathlons, you're like, oh, my God, I, why would you do that for fun? So she would do those kind of things, I think, to stay in shape, but also, you know, for friendship. So when I say she's not into sports, I mean, uh, she wasn't born in this country. So she came here when she was nine or 10. She's not into like America's pastime. You know, all these other things that contributed to that. I think the same thing. She, 
I don't know if she thought I was in the military or didn't care that I was in the military um, or playing baseball, but she, that was like so far from the realm of, you know, like she wants to, you know, marry a professional baseball player or date this athlete. And then to your point, I think, you know, you just meet people that you're attracted to and it depends on the circle you meet them in. You know, if you meet them at a function, that's a fundraiser and you're there as a celebrity, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, this guy's somebody, right. Right. He played baseball, but um, I was introduced to my wife by like a college, you know, my brother's college roommate's friend. And mm-hmm. all they knew is that I was my, you know, they're, Oh, this is that guy's brother. You know, that was kind of yeah. how it started. Right. This, this is a guy that went to Santa Clara. He's uh Jeff Tuttle's brother or something like Works that. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how we met. And uh, so the dating part was, uh, was really easy because we weren't, we didn't have that, um, that, that I don't know whatever I, I don't I don't know where Lauren's question went with that but I guess she, there was no we just met as two people yeah. not as you're this person and you're this person and then before you before you go I just wanted to the other part of that is that um there weren't any sort of uh like I was never the sports thing that I think Lauren kind of touched on is how much do you watch sports or how much is that going to yes. be integral in your relationship as well? Yes. And so that's a subtly different thing than saying, Oh, you're an athlete or you're a professional athlete. I need to be into sports. And I don't think you can ever cover that until you're married, but you know, I really like watching well, sports like, on the weekends. So. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, when a guy goes, Hey, are you into sports? We, you know, we kind of talked about this and Jerry Seinfeld's got a great piece about this and his new stand-up special is when a guy asks you, are you into sports? It's basically how, how much sports watching can I get away with? How much can I, how often can I go to the sports bar and hang out with my boys without, until you get mad? I think it, it's, it's a, it's a test question to see how much you can get away with as far as your sports enthusiasm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, my wife is really good at this and, and I, and maybe other wives are too. And I think you already touched on the Seinfeld thing. I mean, if nobody's watched that, uh, that there's a really funny little segment there about that, you know, that, that when you're dating, you're just, you know, you're playing paintball and you're playing like, you know, you're playing with Nerf guns. He goes, when you're married, man, you're, you're driving the truck with the bombs in the back and, you know, you're playing with live ammo. Like, you know, there's, there's like the test is already over, right? You're, there's no more testing. And you'll find out really quickly, like how much they're willing to tolerate. But I think, uh, I think my wife and I have the, she, she's really of the mindset that you got to make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny as I'm, you know, 20 years of marriage, almost figured this out. Like, I know when she's asking these questions that she wants me to make my own decision based on these questions that she's thrown in there. It's a test for you. Yes. Make the right decision with all this information I'm giving you. So, um. I know we talked about uh, heading down to the beach today. Like uh, I see the golf tournaments on like, how long are you planning on watching the golf tournament? Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking, Oh my God, I was going to watch this all day. Like I just got a six pack. And, um, how long do you want me to watch it? Um, well, I don't know, honey. What, what are the plans? Were we going to go to the beach? Like I, we, we can go to the beach. That's fine. Like, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I think that would be great. That's a great decision you've made, you know, and Man, now you're like, she's got this. A great day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've come to the realization on my own based on this, uh, the information that was input into my system. Well, I feel like whenever you get those questions, uh, did you play basketball growing up? Uh, I mean, I play basketball now, actually, with my yeah, buddies so, on the weekend. I've just learned to play. But Yeah, I, play, I played in high school, and I had this junior varsity coach, man, 
triple threat position. And I feel, you know, get ready for the guy to dribble, to shoot, to pass. And I feel, I feel like every time I get that question, I'm like, oh, snap, I got to get that triple threat. Where's, That's where, you know, am I going to knock the pass down? Am I going to block the shot? You know, where am I going with this thing? that's a really good that's a great way to put it i hope people are enjoying it we've talked about getting into the family stuff before i hope they're getting some laughs out of this but it is it's true yeah you got to always be in the triple threat position and instead of just answering right away which is my instinct it's like ooh, why did she ask that question okay oh yeah you gotta gotta start peeling back the layers you're like wait a minute you're not asking no i think okay i got this one Good stuff. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great uh, it, it was a fun time and it was something obviously out of the element for me uh, talking about relationships. But it was a good time. There were good questions. It was a good banter going back and forth. Uh, you can go to the Social Nostra channel on YouTube, or you can go to uh, I, I think uh, bleacherblums.socialnostra.com and you can find ours on there. And of course, there's several other shows on there. It's been going extremely well. So we appreciate everybody going out there, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, telling your friends and spreading the word. It's been absolutely incredible. And it's been a lot of fun. I know for Tull and I to get on the, you know, I haven't had a chance to be on TV for obvious reasons lately, but now I'm finding that more often than not, Tuttle and I are on the big screen for a lot of people back watching at their outdoor, you know, uh, bar setups or in the living room while they're doing their chores and things like that. So it's been a lot of fun for us in that sense. So go to youtube.com and search social Nostra and you'll find us. Um, I don't know if you're ready for this, but Ram Shirts has been doing a great job. We already showed your t-shirt. Represent. CrushCityTees.com is where you can get those, or you can go to BleacherBlums.com and find our our shop section, I think is what it's called. I keep calling it swag, but I don't know if that's 10 minutes ago or not, or if we can still say that. I always thought swag was the stuff they gave away for free. That's the difference, right? So folks, don't be misled if it's not swag. I mean, that's what I always say. But yeah, there's a shop on there where you can buy all the cool stuff that we have. Yeah, we've got hats, shirts, and all that. But uh, let's let's get back into some a little bit of business. So the Major League Baseball has made a proposal, and there's several things at work here. And I know that you've seen this because being out in California, Governor Newsom out there, one of the few things that he said that has actually made sense is that he is opening up sports to function, but without fans. So I believe it's California, Texas, and Florida are the three states that have kind of taken the, the initiative and said, yes, we want to see sports. We want to have them go out there and be active. We feel it's it's a, a workable circumstance and they're gonna be able to do it with no fans. So that being said, we also got the proposal from, the, from Major League Baseball regarding some of the rules and regulations regarding how they're gonna go, around, go about doing this. And there's a great article in The Athletic. I'm gonna have to click over here to read it uh, from Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drudge talking about how they're going to get the protocol for getting baseball back on the field. And none of this has to do with money for right now. So of course, there's going to be regular testing of managers, players, coaches, umpires, everybody that's going to be inside the ballpark. Uh, Those are going to be basically government regulation and maybe a step above to be able to go out there, whether it be, you know, through the nasal cavity or through, uh, Uh, saliva or through blood testing they're going to be able to do that and when the players are at home they're actually going to let these guys stay at home so I think that family members are going to be tested also but a couple of keynotes because I don't want to get too long-winded and I want to keep Tuttle in on the mix is that you've got to remember that the rosters are going to be 
30 guys on that active roster that are able to play if this season gets going. And I know you could probably get sick and tired of me saying if, but it is still an if possibility here. Uh, there's going to be 20 guys on a taxi squad that will be traveling with the team for injury, for sickness, whatever it is. Because it sounds like the sickness, if you are sick, they're just going to unplug you and put somebody else in and and test the you know everybody uh, to no end to try and figure out how to do this. They're not going to shut down. So you're going to have a 50-man spring training, uh, and they're trying to debate on where to put these sites. I would imagine it's going to be at their home cities, like Houston, the Houston Astros would be in Houston at Minute Maid Park with 50 guys working out. Um, they actually have great diagrams showing how the dugouts are going to work, but I don't want to get into that because it's just too much, and there's a visual there that you need to get in on. Uh, but it's going to be interesting how the reserves sit in the stands, how the current players are playing on the field. Um, that kind of stuff. But I think spring training is basically going to entail these guys getting in shape, simulated games and a lot of inter squad games. So these guys are going to be pretty much sick of each other by the time this season, if it starts actually starts, but uh, that'll be spring training. They will only allow small groups to go out there at first before they get everybody out there. And for the teams that uh, have spring trainings in Florida and Arizona, if they're not in their home stadiums, a lot of their workouts will be 7 and PM, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, later at night. They're going to have umpiring crews available for that. Uh, the facility protocols are going to be different, but there's a couple within here that I want to throw at David Tuttle that are absolutely interesting to me. There is going to be lineup cards, but they're not going to exchange. They're going to be done virtually. So there's probably going to be an app involved and good Lord umpires using apps and technology to figure out lineups is going to be absolutely. Well, technology in general, I thought we were trying to get technology out of the dugout. So this would be fun. I'm going to, I'm going to text you the lineup. Right. I mean, yeah, and I mean, what if the text doesn't go through or what if this, I don't know how it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that works, but you know, I heard something else on Twitter you know who doesn't transmit disease? Robots. What, what if they said robot umpires? Yeah. And then we did everything from cameras. Would that be insane? I, that's not a possibility, but wouldn't that be yeah. incredible if they did? Yeah. We're back to the asterisk, asterisk uh, world, right? So you oh, know, yeah. it was only an 82-game season. You get an asterisk. Oh, it was a robot umpire blew a call. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. asterisk. You know, how many asterisks can you put in there? <laughs> seriously risks, I guess. um catchers are not permitted to go all the way to the mound in order to give signs and stuff like that uh when the ball is out of play or in between pitchers fielders are encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner so you're not going to see those guys congregate around the the bag uh, i also think it's interesting in spring training and warm-ups and things like that pitchers will actually have their own designated baseballs so, you know, you're going to have your own bag of balls if you're a pitcher. So you don't want anybody else touching those, but those poor catchers have to deal with that. But here's the big one. And this actually goes a little bit to uh, your, one of your favorite teams, the Giants. Gabe Kapler came out against this rule and said that's going to completely mess up his program. That's going to be the this is going to be the biggest adjustment for Major League Baseball players, coaches included. They're talking about prohibiting spitting. I knew you were going to say that one. Tuttle, would you be able to play a baseball game and not spit? No. <laughs> you just straight up. No. So now. I mean, that's so funny because we've talked about it. You said your mom said, whatever you do, don't grab your, you know, Remember when you that? get up to the batter's box. I get the same thing. Like, um, you know, I, I realize it's smokeless tobacco. I mean, how many guys have you played with? I, I know a guy still. He probably. Anyway, 
how many guys you play with that just chew, but it, gum, sunflower seeds, whatever it is. I mean, I, I, our CrossFit gym is not open, but they're having like social distancing workouts and stuff. I have to spit during a workout half the time. It's like, I just, you know, it's just a way to clear the system, you know, whatever you could clear the, what was the, the Kevin Costner one, clear the, clear the mechanism, clear the mechanism. Yeah. Spitting's kind of like clearing the mechanism for so many of these guys. Don't, don't grab your junk and don't spit. All right. Well, let's cancel the season now, folks. I mean, seriously. Yeah, that's what my mom gave me. I think within the first inning, I think I did both. And she was like, it's here standing up in the stands going, really? Well, and the other thing, not to jump away from spitting, because I mean, we could talk about that for probably the rest of the podcast, the catching one. I mean, if we're testing everybody, so you're tested, whether it's the nasal one or you have the antibodies, what the hell is wrong with having a catcher go talk to the pitcher? You guys are both tested and you're both on the same team and you were just in spring training together. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and how about this? Isn't baseball one of the first and only sports where you see guys actually covering the face? Oh, yeah. That's right. They cover with their glove anyway. They and we're doing say, that yeah. anyways. We got our yeah. own built-in mask. It's a piece of leather on our hand. Yeah. We cover and it guys up. do it all the time. And they right? do it, you know, obviously for lip reading purposes, but they've been doing it for so long. It's just an, you know, it's an automatic, you know, and especially with the catchers that, you know, if they don't have the old school mask that pulls off and they have the helmet, yep. they can just leave the helmet on, which is pretty much, it covers the, covers the face. So, I mean, I think we're getting, Obviously, you and I are getting to the nuts and bolts of this, but I mean, there are some rules that are just so silly. And and you know, Gabe I've got and I one don't. More. Oh, okay, Gabe and I don't always agree, but I, <laughs> I I certainly agree with him on this that that's actually the one rule. It's like, I mean, it's I saw like the no Gatorade. Seeds, no there's gum. No, yeah, there's no Gatorade coolers, no seeds, no gum. And I and I want to make sure that everybody knows this is different than us um, talking before about like, oh, I'm wearing a polyester shirt or a cotton uniform. Oh or, yeah. You know, like, this is way different. This is like, this isn't saying, you know, that we can't play in these environment, uh, these environments or these circumstances, but this is something that's, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, inherent in the game. And most of these guys do this stuff kind of without thinking, which is the other part. It is, it is. You know, because like you said, working out, you, you the saliva is flowing and you're like, I yeah. got to get rid of this. I don't feel like yeah. taking a big gulp of it. <laughs> Clear the mechanism. <laughs> yeah, the mechanism kicks in. Yeah. Now, when uh so when you talked about guys dipping and you've seen this too when you get on a bus or you're on an airplane and these guys throwing you know uh, top oh, yeah. lippers bottom lippers fatties whatever you want to call them they spit into bottles so i i all, i said this the other day i can't remember where the hell i was yeah. but i said you know guys are going to start you know are you going to carry that bottle unscrew it spit yeah. into the bottle put it back in your back pocket i i don't know yeah. it's in, it's incredible to think about but, uh, you said you have one more rule that we. Oh were, yeah, because this be article had—I mean, the whole report is sixty-seven oh. pages. Oh yeah, no, I read, I read some. I mean, I skimmed it too, but yeah, okay. there's got to be another one that's up there, right? You played winter ball. I played winter. I played vacation winter ball. Well, but you played ball. legitimate winter ball. Um, they're talking about big league guys going out there, and this is going out playing a big league game and not showering at the stadium. Time oh, out. Yeah. You want me to wash my hands at any given moment as often as I possibly can, but you don't want me to wash my body. That doesn't make sense. Can you explain that one to me? Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, this is a simple, I'm not, again, we're, we're playing, uh, 
Yeah, we're messing right now. We're playing. We're we're playing scientists on. You know, like we talk about being a meteorologist. So now we're playing scientists in here. But if you're going to test everybody, and these are the same fifty dudes that you've been in the spring training with, and you all got tested, and one guy got it and he got pulled out. I mean, you know, maybe there's like these escalator clauses. You know, similar to contracts. You have an escalator clause, like oh, two guys tested positive, we got them off. We put two new guys in. We're now having to test guys. You can't shower today after the game until we get everybody tested again. But again, I mean, this is just a trial period. But if everybody is kind of clean and on the up and up, and I think I mentioned this last time, you know, 5,800 employees at Major League Baseball got tested and yeah. six, 60 were positive. And out of those 60, 70% were uh, a, a, a asymptomatic, meaning they didn't know they had it. Wow. So I saw Good another point. statistic with, um, I don't know, they, they tested 700 other people. And only five had it. What sport was that? Was it like golf? Would it be NBA or something like that? Because NBA is starting to come back and work out at their facilities now. Yeah, I just can't remember. But the, I mean, again, the infection rate is really low, and most of those people are asymptomatic. The death rate's low. Like that doesn't mean, again, and I've heard this from the science too. It doesn't mean you can't get exposed. It also doesn't mean, like with Italy and New York, there's something to the longevity of the exposure. Meaning, like if you pass by somebody that had it and you may or may not get it, that's fine. But if you're living in a house with somebody that gets it and it kind of stays with you and you're getting it every yep. day, there could be some, um, you know, some severity tied to that. That's what I've heard. Um, somebody could probably write in on, on our mailbag and dispute that. But anyway, so there are certainly things that you want to be cautious about, but, you know, I agree with Gabe, you know, spitting, um, smokeless tobacco, um, you know, the showering, the covering the face, you know, I mean, those are things that, you know, I guess if you're going to write 67 pages, you got to include everything in there. And it seems Good like point. they probably should have stopped at page 50 and they just added 17 pages of stuff that, uh, that made sense, you know, to some guy typing. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Again, we're picking out the most, the funnier parts of this, the more interesting aspects of this, because spinning is a part of the game. Everybody sees it. And the shower, the showering part is obviously a part of a, of any sport. When you go out there sweating your brains out, you obviously want to clean up. And I think it's going to be weird for guys to shower up and go. But if you played winter ball, you did that. You played the game, you went back to your hotel room, left your uniform outside, and the guy washed him and showed up the next day. So it was great. And at the same time, you know, the reason we're having some fun with this is because I think both Tuttle and I, and Tuttle can speak for himself, but I feel like these are expected. As annoying as they are going to, as this is going to be, and as hard as it's going to be to remember a lot of these rules and how to handle it, these guys are willing to do it and I would be willing to do it in order to get the game back on the field. And that's why we're just kind of, you know, tongue in cheek in this thing right now, because everything else in this report, I'm going, all right, makes sense. If this gets us on the field, that's what I'm willing to do. And it might be a temporary fix. It may be a, a, a mandatory fix for the rest of the baseball to moving forward in life. Who knows? Uh, Cause we know things are changing uh, every day, but I think that they kind of went above and beyond to, to really protect the players. I don't think it really speaks to the the uh, the severity of something or the lack of severity of this virus. I think it just speaks that they wanted to cover every single base, pardon the pun, that they could in order to get the game back on the field. Uh, do you feel the same way or do you think it's overkill? Um, you know, I guess I feel a little bit of both. I mean, it's a little bit of overkill. I think the other the other adage that always comes to mind uh, is, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. And I think, yeah, I think most of the players are willing to do it. You talked about being pro player last time. Um, you know, the owners are doing this, they're doing that and taking pay cuts. And of course, we're going to be on the side of the players. But Tom Glavin came out yesterday with, um, 
you know, just kind of a subtle warning saying that the players have to be really careful in a situation like this. And I don't want to get too high and mighty or political about this either, but, you know, with 35 or 36 million people on the unemployment line and people losing jobs and still being quarantined and can now trickling back into um, normal society, Tom Glavin was saying, look, players got to be really careful. And I know Ian Snell and, you know, everybody's favorite player, Bryce Harper, um, got a little bad pub this week. And and I'm always wondering if, you know, Scott Boris is sending them like little snippets to, uh, to uh, you know, hey, use this soundbite in your interview, because they sounded very um, kind of thick on the matter. You know, I, I just think there are always better ways to handle it, even if you feel that way. I mean, when you sign a 10-year, $300 million deal, um, and you're complaining about the taxes on that, or you're not going to take any more pay cuts, I think that the fans who, whether they're in the stands or not, those are the ones that we ultimately have to um, remember are the ones that are kind of that keep your fame and keep your um, prosperity going. And so I don't, I don't mean to sound anti-player, but I think that that's the one thing that they have to be really careful of. And as I said, the one bad apple swells a bunch thing. So maybe it's not all of the players feeling like that, because I think you're right. I think most guys would be willing to say, you know what, no chewing gum in the dugout. I can suck it up, you know, no spitting and, eh, you know, maybe I'll spit over here, spit over there. I'm going to be very careful and, and cautious about how um, I'm acting and how I'm behaving because I really just want to get back on the field and play the game that I love. Yeah, and I agree with you in the sense that Blake Snell came out on a Twitch rant on, uh, you know, while he's gaming on a social media platform and it went awful. It was terrible. I mean, it, it, it was borderline incoherent. It was kind of in the spur of the moment. We don't know what else he was doing or drinking or whatever. You know, I don't want to assume anything, but I, he, had a, he had an appropriate premise, but he had an absolutely terrible delivery. And I think that's where Bryce kind of jumped in and tried to not bail him out, but maybe better explain it uh, for fans to understand because the players do have, do have an idea of what's going on in the finances. But I agree with you in the sense that it does need to be, the, the circumstances need to be taken into account, take it in context. And if it does mean that you take a little bit bigger hit this year to play next year or make your money next year, then you may have to go out there and do that. But I think the whole revenue sharing is where it gets kind of sketchy because um, they've seen the NBA, NHL, and uh, NFL not have success with the revenue sharing because you don't know what revenue they're sharing, how much of the revenue is sharing. But uh, the, just a quick note before we move on, I don't want to dig too deep into the numbers because it gets kind of gross and ugly and weird and awkward. But, uh, you know, they're, the Major League Baseball player owners were saying that they're going to lose a total of four, oh, just over $4 billion in revenue. And it makes sense if you put it over the course of a season. That's basically playing a season with no fans. And baseball is a $10 billion a year uh, industry, and you're losing 40% of your revenue, which is having fans in the seats, the advertising at the stadiums, the, you know, people are pulling back on that, and then you don't have the concession stands, whereas the NFL, or sorry, Major League Baseball is 60% of that, the NFL is 40%, so the NFL has much better TV contracts and advertising outside the stadium, which is uh, beneficial to them, but uh, baseball is going to take a big hit, but that's if they get back on. My headphones are absolutely killing me, bro. And I keep fuddling with my ears and I'm about ready to like pierce my ear and plug this thing in. I'm trying to be cool and wireless back here. Huh, they look Not as cool as you with going through the t-shirt. Anyways, go. let me put the specs back on. Yeah. There are no, live so, sports though. 
What do you got? Yeah, there are live. No, I was just going to say, no, let's jump into the live sports. I was just going to say with the money, I mean, you, they just have to be careful. I, I mean, I'm not a pro owner guy. I mean, I, I used to say that about payroll. They, the Cincinnati Reds were one of the uh, cheaper organizations when Marge Schott was the owner. And she used to say, well, we're not making any money this year. And I was like, well, <laughs> they bought the Reds. They bought the Reds for, you know, $3 million back in 1965 or 68. And they could sell them for 300 million, I think you know, it's not always, you know, the, the ledger sheet isn't always what, what it seems. So I'm not, I'm not going onto the owner's side just to be clear, but like you said, um, you know, they're, they're inclined to lose some money and they're inclined to lose uh, quite a few things this year, just as the players are. And just as we all are, I mean, you know, you'd like to be calling games right now. So, um, yeah. you know, we're all, we're all hopefully sacrificing a little bit. I just, uh, I just hope, sooner than later, you know, the players and everybody else kind of comes to an agreement that they can uh, get on the field and, and play. I agree. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Hopefully they do get out there and give us some live baseball because we are starting to see some live events. I talked about a couple podcasts ago, how PGA has actually been our beacon of hope of actually scheduling events. And we just saw a kind of a preliminary event uh, that was uh, held over the weekend with Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, and Matt Wolf. I think most of the interest for me was watching that Matt Wolf guy swing a golf club, yeah. uh, his little hip tweak, and then his then his swing and launching it like 370 yards in the air was pretty impressive. Uh, it was a skins game, which I thought was entertaining. Uh, the money was going to charities, and I thought that was outstanding. But to be honest with you, my excitement kind of dulled after about the fourth hole, where I just kind of went, all right, just four guys playing golf on a golf course I've never heard of and never seen before. And it was kind of, it would look like a hard course. These guys may not have been their peak peak performance, uh, you know, playing ability and some shots went awry, which made you feel human. But at the same time, there was a definite, it, it was a more casual atmosphere, which I appreciate. But at the same time, I want to see somebody going out there trying to beat the hell out of somebody. And I understand it was for charity, but I can't wait for live sports to have a certain element of competition, which I think could replace some of the passion by not having fans in there. Uh, did you watch any of it, Tuttle? Did you enjoy it? I didn't. I guess I saw the sudden death part um, closest to the pin. And, and you know, you were talking about live sports. I mean, UFC has been going on and I'm not yeah. a UFC fan. And we talked earlier about my wife, uh, the joke about sports. <laughs> like my wife was into swimming and triathlons and cycling. It's like, the Tour de France was not a sport to me. So, uh, and I'm not crushing the UFC, but you're talking about live sports. I mean, those guys are going and getting after it. It's yeah. just not my cup of tea, but I, I, I'm much more, um, much more inclined to watch like Bundesliga soccer's on German soccer. And that's yeah. been on and that's great. Those guys are trying to win. Now they had a couple serious injuries the first game back because those guys hadn't been up to, uh, you know, yeah, they hadn't been training. Yeah. So there's that concern as well, which is why Major League Baseball is talking about having spring training through June and maybe getting started in July. These guys need to ramp up. But anyway, I'm much more inclined to your point about um, having the competitive side of it. It seemed a little too free and easy. You know, it seemed like you and I going golfing, right? Let's add a mm -hmm. third or fourth guy and let's go out and have a beer and, you know, hey, who's getting close to the pin or even, a, you know, a best ball type scenario. So it yeah. certainly didn't seem... Um, highly competitive even those even though those guys are great golfers but i guess when you're doing something for charity then you know maybe that's how we ease back into it right we get to watch them and you know kind of see how it yeah, has the waters yeah massage your way back in there yeah, yeah. and there's going to be another event this weekend with tiger woods phil mickelson and then tom brady and peyton manning so i mean good lord 
I mean, the goat factor in this whole situation is pretty insane. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what, uh, you know. I, I think that'll Tom, be great. That's fun. I mean, that Peyton Manning, you know, crushing Tom was so funny. Dude, I mean, the really commentary funny. from those guys, Peyton Manning, how about Peyton Manning being just a goober looking quarterback guy who's very good and then having that kind of sense of humor? Oh, it's a pretty impressive, man. He is super funny. And the way they all took it, I mean, I saw either Phil Mickelson was laughing his butt off and I saw another little blurb where Phil Mickelson was like, Oh yeah. Have you, I, you haven't seen this trophy. Have you tiger? Do you see that? The little preamble to yep. it. And tiger looked back. He goes, Oh, I'm kind of cold. And he put on his master's on jacket. jacket. Like, <laughs> I mean, just that kind of stuff. I told you a story um, off air. I don't think I ever told them on the podcast about tiger woods and John Smoltz playing golf, that meal money story. That one always cracked me up. And these guys oh, yeah. have a great sense of humor and they're ultimately competitive. So I just think it's going to be, you know, a ton of laughs, like rip roaring laughs. I mean, I well, just you, think know as, you know, as well as I do being an athlete and, and we have played golf together, we haven't gotten after each other, but you know that you have played in situations with your buddies who know that you're competitive and they start chirping. They're feeling pretty good off the first tee or whatever you're doing. And they start chirping and they start to see you, you chip. I change a little bit. I start going, listen here, dickhead. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this up a little bit and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to beat your pants. Off. And then I, then I just casually look back over again. I go, you done? Are you, are you still going? Are you done? You know? So I know that you looking at the smile on your face, I know that you feel the same way. And I kind of hope that happens with these guys where, you know, the first couple of holes you're feeling each other out and then all of a sudden you're going, all right, here, I'm coming. Yeah. And I think they've gotten so good. And you you probably have as well. Like golf is not my primary sport. You're asking about basketball. Like I didn't play basketball, organized basketball until I quit playing baseball. So maybe mm -hmm. the last 15 years, but 15 years ago, I started playing pickup basketball with these guys. If you don't think I take it seriously after 10 years playing, like now it's like, all right, I got to guard this guy. This is what I got to do. You know, I've kind of figured it out. So you've learned. And I think Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady and even Tiger and Phil in a scenario like this, they've learned so well how to control those emotions and kind of grit and yeah. smile through the competitive yeah. nature so even from hole number one tom brady's gonna be like oh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun he's gonna be like all right i'm gonna i gotta i gotta groove this one right down the middle and i'm gonna smile at him and you know so i think i think the competitive nature is going to be great i do think there's a subtle difference when like phil and tiger it's their sport Whereas Peyton and Tom, it's not their sport. And I know Tom grew up playing golf and he's been to Pebble Beach a bunch of times. And I just think, you know, that's always, I, th I think I told you, when I quit playing baseball, some guys asked me to play softball on Tuesday nights or whatever. And I was like, eh, you know, or they're like, hey, we have an adult league, you know? And I said, well, that's great. Let me play center field or shortstop. They're like, no, we need a guy to throw two innings. I'm like, I am not going to throw two innings on your adult <laughs> league baseball game. It's not going to happen. If you want me to go play three on three or five on five basketball, I never played basketball. So mm -hmm. I know that's a little off the rail, but yeah, I think it's going to be different watching two quarterbacks play. I think the entertainment factor is going to be much higher than it was watching like McElroy and Johnson yeah. and, and Wolf and those guys. So. No, I think you pretty much nailed it on that one. Uh, I agree. And I, I'm also kind of curious, you know, you have all this talk leading up to it and all the, you know, the joy and the fun and the, you know, joking around. But when you flip the switch, it's fun to watch these guys flip the switch. And I wonder if it's going to affect Tom Brady and Peyton Manning more, because I think you're going to see some errant shots. And that's where I think a lot of the fun sets in. And another sport, if you, I mean, if you're so inclined, another NASCAR sport. Yeah. So NASCAR, 
racing has come back. They actually raced last weekend in Darlington. They're going to have another race this weekend in Darlington. In, in Darlington. And I think this one's more interesting because it's going to be carried on FS1. So it's going to be a live broadcast. And for obvious reasons, I am thoroughly intrigued by this. But NASCAR has been doing a very good job recently. And a lot of credit to uh, Kevin Perkins, the godfather of the Social Nostra Network, who has some experience working uh, with Toyota and the TRD, uh, uh, you know, mechanics of the whole situation in racing, you know, has mentioned, and I've actually seen this, that the drivers have been doing virtual driving. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, video games and gaming has, has stepped it up, but some of these are so good that these guys are actually able to practice and, try, and quote unquote, stay in shape. So they've been doing the virtual racing uh, reaction times. They can practice. I'm sure they need a feel for the track that they're going to be on. Uh, maybe they're in the best shape of their lives. I don't know what that means. Or if you're able to hold your bladder for a certain amount of time while you're going around the track, that helps. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to get ripped for that one. But uh, NASCAR is a sport, and these guys are staying in shape. You know, I feel like that <laughs> Chris Farley character, right? Like, you know, that when everything's cool. I don't smell very good and I often forget to brush my teeth like he did all the quotes. That's what I feel like we're going to do with this NASCAR skit. Oh, we're going to be just man. like, all right, you know, while NASCAR, we have live sports returning everybody, live sports, you know, and then, you know, the, the drivers are staying in shape by playing, you know, video <laughs> games and driving a simulator. So I'll take the a bullet on this one because I'm not, you know, I'm not too inclined to, yeah. to watch those guys get I on just the track. Think it's, it's interesting. And, you know, I think there's a certain, wouldn't you be a little less, uh, there's a certain fear factor when you're racing that I think, it, you know, you know, it maybe encourages you to make a move or not make a move. Again, I'm a novice in the whole racing era, but if I'm on a video game, I might take more chances than I would if I was actually in a car going 200 miles an hour. I think that's where, you know, your, your court awareness or your street sense, that's where you're going to see things, you know, kind of take a while to unfold for some of these guys getting back on the racetrack. But the broadcast is going to be interesting to me. They're going to have one sideline reporter. And now typically I read an article, they, they usually travel with about a hundred, uh, hundred personnel, a hundred person personnel at each event for NASCAR. They're going to have 10 to 15 now at uh, Darlington Raceway for, the, for this NASCAR event. They are going to have a sideline reporter, which I think is very interesting. Are they? How close are they going to get to the race car drivers and do the interviews? And that's all I want is a Ricky Bobby moment. What do I do with my hands? Because they're going to be standing about six feet away and they got to entertain. But... Uh, so that's going to happen. And then the announcers are going to be in the studio. And this is where I think it's kind of interesting. And I want to see how they actually set it. I hope they give us a behind the scenes because they're going to have these guys in studio broadcasting a live event. And they said they're going to have all the same camera angles and they're going to have all the analytics. I get that. But that's where I feel like baseball is different. I need to see the field. And I'm kind of curious, do, Na do NASCAR announcers actually watch the track or are they watching specific a specific screen to talk to the fans at home where in baseball we can kind of speak to the field and our director moves in directions that we're going and fans can fans understand that there's other stuff going on. Uh, so I'm kind of curious about that. But one of the most interesting things I've heard, so the stands are going to be empty, no fans. And they are actually talking about using drones. And I actually like this idea. They're going to have drones floating all over the track in various spots, maybe hovering in a spot in the stands, giving you a, 
a, a grandstand type feel or view. I kind of can't wait to see that, but I'm kind of curious to see how this whole uh, uh, NASCAR event unfolds because Fox is a big network and I'm sure they put a ton of effort and thought into this because they're going to have people in LA, they're going to have people in Darlington, they're going to have people in other spots working remotely to try and make this happen. And I really feel like this has an impact on broadcasting moving forward, to be honest with you. Yeah, so I think as a as a, a return to live sports, uh, you know, in a petri dish, like as an experiment, yeah, I think this is a really is. Um, definitely something to watch and check out. And I think, as you said, baseball is really a live sport type uh, of an event because of the fact that, you know, when the left fielder and the center fielder look at each other and they move over, you know, you're you get a good sense of what pitch is going to be thrown or what the strategy is. Right? Are they playing no doubles yes. or not? You're not just watching the pitcher get the sign and. And so it would be interesting. NASCAR may be a whole different, like I said, uh, maybe a whole different um, strategy behind even just being a commentator or a, a, an analyst when it comes to that. So I think um, that may or may not translate, but from a, from a, like doing an interview, interview with a selfie stick or an extra long microphone or right. um, having the, uh, the drones fly over the stands. I mean, it'd be really interesting to, uh, I guess, to see, um, logistically how it goes off. I don't know if you'll catch me watching it since I'm not the broadcaster for the Houston Astros, but it'll be interesting to, oh, it'll be interesting to see if you, uh, if you can glean anything or learn anything from, you know, what FS1 does to put a live sporting event on. Yep. But it's all encouraging because it's kind of, it's kind of pushing everything in the right direction where there are major sports pushing in the right direction to get on TV and eventually we'll have PGA tournaments. Eventually we will have baseball, hopefully. But I know for sure on every podcast what you're going to get, and the graphics are back. Uh-oh. Waddle. Oh. Waddle. Sir. Nice. You printed it out. That's great. Oh, um, I mean, there's a little nick on the corner. I'm oh, sorry. That's right. that Major sports is what you <laughs> got to – that's how you had to say that. Major sports are returning. We'll, we'll have to uh, – we'll see about that. So Waddle Tuttle today, very short, sweet, and easy. Um, I got to get back into my customer service sort of mentality. I haven't had any experience out in public. Um, I did go to Home Depot, Home Depot a few times. But, uh, you know, it kind of seems like faux social distancing. Like everybody kind of – they're wearing a mask so they bump into you and you know they're kind of pretending to like not pay attention to you as employees because they're like yeah i gotta stay away from you it's like well where are the ferns you know i don't know so uh <laughs> so my thing looks like he's got the funk that's right my my main thing today for what'll tuttle say is just about um big ben getting heat from the uh, governor of pennsylvania i don't know if you saw that for uh getting his hair cut yeah he said he was not going to get a haircut or his beard cut until he threw to a live teammate, you know, he was throwing somewhere else and he, I guess he had the, uh, the pleasure or the, uh, the opportunity to go throw to a couple teammates, um, last weekend. And so he went out and got his hair cut and they publicized the whole thing, but he was in the barbershop and the governor came out and said, this is really irresponsible and ridiculous that he was getting his hair cut and we should be distancing. And I'm like, we're talking about the return of live sports. You know, I don't know if he was critical as much of like the TV crew being there or the fact that he was setting a bad example for all, you know, Pennsylvanians to, uh, to follow in his footsteps. But, you know, that's, I feel like, I feel like Chris Carter. I mean, you know, he's already got the, the take on the, come on, man. But it's like, let's, <laughs> let's pick other things. It's kind of, it's always the funny things that you bring attention to that, probably make you know a mountain out of a molehill 
right? Yeah. I mean, it's like if you didn't bring attention to it, nobody would have, you know, mentioned the fact that Big Ben, you know, went down to the barber shop with his favorite barber and got his hair trimmed because he threw to a live guy. I mean, I just think, you know, we gotta we gotta get over that kind of stuff. And and I'm actually personally, you know, without getting political, rooting for that day. I mean, you can see I got my hair cut. My guy came. Uh, my guy came to my garage. You know, nice. rode his motorcycle over, came to my garage, trimmed up the hair, and uh, you know, and he was nervous because he said if he gets caught or if you know the neighbors report him for because he's a licensed whatever hair stylist hair. Yeah, what happens if he gets caught? So he they could take his license or suspend his license because he's functioning outside me? of his. I'm just telling you what he said. Wow. So I'm all I'm saying is there seem to be like bigger fish to fry, and we got to get over that, especially as a society with the small businessman losing tons of revenue and losing tons of opportunities over the past two months. If we're really going to tiptoe back out into society, we can't make these blanket statements. I think I touched on this last time. You know, we can't keep making these decisions for um, a few high risk, you know, we can't make these grand decisions for a few people. We have to make the decisions based on, on the masses. And I think that most of us, um, especially younger, healthier folks, that feel like the world's going to continue. Um, we need to find a way to kind of get over the fact that we're still going to go out and eat in restaurants and get our hair cut in public. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, for all, any, for all the governor knows, Big Ben could have been tested. The barber could have been tested and they're both, you know, negative and we're going to get our hair cut. So thanks. No, you're thanks right. For, yeah. Thanks so, for coming. Yeah. And usually I would imagine, I mean, I don't, I, were there any pictures where they by themselves, whether, you know, do they have masks on how the whole, that was the whole thing. Was no, it I mean, he, they didn't have masks on. Yeah. It was like two dudes in a barber chair. Yeah, That's so all I mean, with somebody taking pictures or a camera around. Maybe there was four or five people, you know, like, and you know, there's certain people that you do trust in your life and, and it sound, may sound weird, but if, if my barber or my, I have a stylist, if my stylist says I can't come over because I have COVID, I'm going to be like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Or hey, you're letting me know, but <laughs> yeah. So salons open here in Texas, and you know, I I ask my stylist, are you infected? Do you feel like? And she's like, no, I have no symptoms. I don't feel like I am. I haven't been around anybody. And I'm like, thank you for telling me. I feel like they would be honest enough because they want the business to be honest. Exactly. And I don't think they did it for a publicity stunt. I think they did it because, like you said, Big Ben said, ah, if I throw to, uh, you know, baby steps, if I throw to a live human, I'm going to go get my hair cut. And hopefully, you know, like all of us, we're hoping that things gradually get bigger in scale and we can get back to doing what we uh, we feel like doing as opposed to being doing what we're told. Exactly. And it's, it's funny, the varying degrees of responsibility. And I'm not sure, you know, where you get your responsibility degree from. But at the same time, I think that a majority of Americans understand how to act appropriately. And I feel like that. And you know what? The salon opened up here in Texas. And I, the first thing we did is like, what's the protocol? How do we get into your shop? Uh, okay, I'll park in the parking lot. I called in. I came in. I signed. I you know, sanitized the pen. I sanitized my hands. They told me to get a haircut. I had to wear a particular smock. I had to wear gloves. I actually took a picture of it and put it on uh, my, I think I put it on my Instagram story, but if I find it, I'll put it up there again. I had, they gave me gloves and I had my mask on and for a dude to get a haircut, you know, cause you got your ears lowered just like I did in order to get around here. I don't care what mask you're wearing. You got to take it off your ears. So guess what I did for the first 20 minutes of my haircut? I had my mask in my hand and I had to hold it. So, I mean, you're going to make the adjustment. 
I'm making like, and one thing I tell my kids, just getting back to your point about, uh, you know, we talk risk reward, is it worth it? I also, and I learned this in parenting too, you know, there's sometimes where I'm in a mood where I'm so frustrated with my kids, they could fart wrong. And I'd be like, damn it, you're supposed to you know? <laughs> pick your battles. Yeah. Is that the, is that the hill you're going to die on? And I, I literally have to ask myself that quite often as a parent. That's great. I mean, we talked about this. It's funny how this comes full circle in the podcast because we were talking about dating and marriage before, but that's the thing that my wife says to me most often. And you don't see me snap. You always think I'm like the voice of reason. But if I get on a rampage or, you know, I'm hungry, You're human. Um, I'm human. I, I, I have a hard time picking my battles. And so then it becomes everything. And I follow my son around like, you know, you didn't clean I'm your dishes. You. you didn't put your shoes on. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. My wife's like, whoa, 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 like information overload, like pick your battles, like pick the thing that you need them to do or pick the thing. So I, I would agree with you. The governor probably has bigger fish to fry, but apparently not. And Ben's a public figure. I just thought that that was. That's probably you know, the bigger point, dude. Yeah, kind of unnecessary, but he really needs to just pick his battles. And now I know I'm beating the dead horse with the, with the uh, air quotes, but you said probably a majority of Americans understand, you know, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that either. So <laughs> we do, we need, we do need some help. I, I with people finally using... found something you're skeptical about. That's right. Well, we we're, <laughs> we're using logic that most Americans really understand what's going on. I don't know. My wife ordered some stuff from old Navy for the kids, like um, to go pick up, I guess they have just pick up mm -hmm. and they have this huge COVID-19 website protocol. And this is what you need to do. And, so she ordered a couple of uh, like, you know, sleeping shorts or pajama things for the kids. And uh, it, they said, it will text you when it's ready. And they said, usually within a couple hours. So three days later, you get the text, you know, and then the text is like, all right, your items will be, you know, there's a protocol, you pull up to the lane here, and then you send them something and then they come out with the you know, the, the, the bag and, or no, we'll leave the bag stapled by this spot and just tell us when yeah. you're here. And then we put it out front, whatever the protocol is. So my wife pulls up the old Navy on her way back uh, from doing something else. And there's a sign out there saying up oh, the doorbell and the buzzer are broken. So just come up and knock on the door. It was like, <laughs> so to your point, the majority of Americans are like, so from a, from a corporate standpoint, there's this huge like, protocol. ah, forget it. You know, just come up and knock on us. We'll hand it to you. Like, all right. So again, to your point about the hair salons, it's like, we may understand it. We may have all these protocols in place, but ultimately it's like, do you want your shit? Uh, we're going to bring it to you here. Exactly just knock on, dude. just knock on the door and you get here. You're like, all right. Hey, thanks so much. So anyway, dude, that's hilarious. That's it for what'll Tuttle say. I, I, I had a Blum and Blummer, uh, uh, little, uh, stuff, but I realized we don't have Blum and Blummer on the show anymore. So Blum's yeah. Blast, I need to create my Blum's Blast, uh, you know, my sign, and then we're going to get that for the next podcast, but let's throw it over to you, Blummer. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, kind of mixing things up, getting away from the Blum and Blummer because uh, we lost Larry and Hoyt in the Larry and Harry and Lloyd in the transition to uh, going to the uh, YouTube channel. But I'll, I'll try and make mine short and quick. So on Blum's Blast, we always talk about club sports. We talk about youth athletics. Uh, Tuttle and I played multiple sports growing up, and then the last dance has been going on every Sunday, and it's finally over. But one thing that caught me at the end of it that kind of I don't know why. It took me so long to figure this out, but in the beginning, they talked about Jordan in high school. Granted, he was a little bit smaller, a little bit scrawnier, but he played baseball growing up, and then he wanted to play basketball. He gets cut from the varsity team. He grows up a little bit, and then by his junior, senior year, he figures out, I'm pretty damn good at uh, basketball, so I think I'm going to go that route, and it, 
it just really reinforced the idea of be a good athlete. Because I think when I was growing up, a lot of the guys that turned out to be successful high school players or college players were, were the best athletes in the school where you could go out to the schoolyard, you could throw a soccer ball out there and they would be one of the top two picks out of for both teams. If you went and played dodgeball, they'd be the same top two picks. If you went and played, uh, you know, basketball on the on the on the uh, asphalt, one of the top two picks. If you if you said get on this bike, jump over that ramp, he, the guy would be the top two pick. So I really feel like athletes, be a good athlete. Just focus on being a good athlete. I think we get so focused on one sport that you can lose some athleticism. But the idea of Jordan being cut and becoming a basketball player was awesome. And then believe it or not, I was listening to a, uh, oh my gosh, Harvard Business Review podcast, and they were talking to Angela Duckworth. And I believe it was you, Tuttle, a while back that told me about the book Grit. And I had read a little bit of the uh, book Grit, and she had some great points in there in the book, but this podcast was a little more abbreviated and to the point. And she had a phenomenal quote that she threw in there. And she said, parents and their kids, whether it be sport or uh, education, profession, you know, how do you push your kids to find their passion? And she said, sampling before specialization. And you have to fail. I thought that was great. For whatever reason, it just nailed it. Sampling everything or a ton of things and before you specialize. And I just thought that was great. And that was, I just kind of wrote in finding you, even for us, finding you or your kid's passion, it involves you being willing to go through the process of trial and error. And that's what I think we fear most is the trial, because you're going to have to work a little bit harder. And then the failure, which is error and bouncing back. And if you try and fail at something, eh, maybe you don't like it, or maybe you can't make the adjustment, you move on to something else and see if you can work through that. But sampling before specialization, and that's all I've got for uh, Blum's Blast. But I know it's kind of a theme that we talk about a lot, Tuttle. It is. And I, and I think that relates to maybe how we ended up playing baseball for, for lack yeah. of a better word. I, I told you when I got into the real work world, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I always thought that the reason I'd be good at whatever it is, I can work for your company, I can do this. And I would sell myself in the capacity of, Hey, you know, I'm a good team player. I'm a hard worker. Um, you know, semi-intelligent, maybe, maybe people would disagree with that, but those were the kind of no. things I thought of. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, but what ultimately I came to, and this was a long time ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, was very similar to what Angela Duckworth said, which is it was about the ability to fail or the ability to try something and not have any regrets for trying it, whether you were successful at it or not. You know, it's that, you know, the old, like how many times you get knocked down and get back up. And I think that's ultimately what baseball teaches you, life teaches you, uh, maybe most sports teach you, and it's who can tolerate that the best. Um, and, and I think that's ultimately what one of my strongest assets is. It's like, it doesn't really matter what obstacle you put in front of me or what I want to try to do. If I fail at it, I don't like go home and go, oh, I'm a failure. I go, man, that was really difficult. I'm going to either try it again or, you know, that might not be for me. And there's nothing wrong with that because as you said, sampling before specialization. And I still pride myself. I mean, the reason our adult basketball league, I'm 50 now, but the reason our adult basketball league is so funny and so great is that we have, you know, let's say 10 guys show up, 12 guys show up and we play five on five basketball on the weekends. Not all those guys are the same skill set. And so you still have to pick teams, but we all match up and I'm still always one of the top two or three. It's like, all right, that guy showed up, then you have to guard him. 
Um, that guy showed up, he has to guard you. Um, and then this guy, and then all of a sudden we have a really evenly matched five on five game, but it's still always based on your skill set. And to your point, I pride myself on still, regardless of how old I get, like being one of the better yeah. players. If I'm healthy, it's like, hey, I'm going to guard the hell out of this guy. You know, if I'm not shooting well that day, I'm still going to play hard. And that mindset stays with you, regardless of how old you get. And I think that that schoolyard or that, um, you know, that elementary school kind of mentality still um, is pervasive. I mean, I'm sure your daughters have been more impressed with you um, as an athlete throughout your life at other things, whether you play, we play pickleball in front of the house. My wife will still roll her eyes. She's like, oh, way to take it easy on the kids, dad. You know, like, I mean, there are just some things that are really hard to do when you're like, you still have eye-hand coordination. So anyway, I appreciate you bringing up grit. I still have it on my Audible, uh, my Audible library. Me too. And I haven't finished it. I kind of listen to a chapter and I don't listen to a chapter, but I I understand most of the premise behind it. And and I think that that's something, like you said, it's been a common theme out of these first 71 podcasts. And we hope to continue that as we move through. Absolutely. And speaking of grit, we always throw out a, a, a shout out to first responders, the military, uh, healthcare workers, all the essential workers who keep this country moving and hopefully progressing in the right direction in order to open things up and get everybody back to work. Uh, teachers also, this is the last day of school right now for uh, my, my daughters at school. They have done extremely well. And a lot of the reason for that is the teachers out there. And uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Hopefully you can enjoy your summer (laughs) with the time off and the hard work you've put in. But we greatly appreciate that. And of course, we're heading into Memorial Day weekend, which is usually just a glorious time in the world of baseball. Both of us having played minor league baseball and played on Memorial Day, we know what an honor it is to stand on that line and hear the national anthem and uh, hear God bless America. There's a lot of pride involved, but we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of those uh, armed forces going out there and protecting us at home and abroad on a daily basis. And really, I mean, obviously the ultimate sacrifice, but also sacrificing their their livelihoods and their families to go out there and protect us. So we greatly appreciate you. We hope you have a great Memorial Day. I know I kind of stole a little bit of that thunder tunnel, but if you've got anything else you want to finish this thing off with. You know, uh, appropriate for Memorial Day, I watched another snippet of our, our our favorite Navy SEAL becoming very popular, Jocko. Yeah. And um, he said that the, he had a, a quick, short interview. Uh, he always takes like Q&A. At, um, I shouldn't say always. He has specific podcasts where he takes Q&A. And last night I saw a nine-minute snippet. I won't be on here nine minutes, but I thought it'd be appropriate for Memorial Day to share it, which is he said that... Every, very often he gets asked about buds, right? Like, oh man, that Navy SEAL training is like crazy. And they're like, but Jocko, you never talk about it. You never, you know, articulate how tough it was or why. And he said, look, the reason I don't talk about it is because that's not important in being a Navy SEAL or a military uh, uh, personnel at all. He said the training is just, if you if you have a higher purpose and a higher being, he basically said there are two things that a soldier has to be willing to do. I thought this was really great and I'd never heard him say it. And this is very appropriate for Memorial Day. There's two things a soldier has to be willing to do. One is to kill someone, to kill someone for your country. You got to kill bad guys. And not everybody's cut out for that. I was like, whoa, yeah. I've never had to do that. I don't know if I could do it. So you have to be willing to do that. And the other is to be killed. Meaning you don't expect to die, you don't want to die, but you have to be willing to die for your country. And he said, those two things are the most important thing. If you're willing to kill the bad guys and to die for your country, 
then Navy SEAL training, BUDS training, jumping out of airplanes, whatever it is they ask you to do, is nothing. And he doesn't mean it like it's not important or that you don't need to train or you don't need to focus on it. Trivializing it, yeah. Yeah, it's not trivial. But I thought, wow, I had never heard anybody say that. And I realized why I probably never joined the Army. We glorify things. I know a guy that gave up a football scholarship to be a Navy SEAL. And I think that um, he definitely had those two qualities. But uh, but anyway, you know, not to not to, you know, belabor the point. I just thought that that was really appropriate on Memorial Day. And and I think we can bring that full circle to say that there are a lot of people um, that we owe our, uh, you know, a debt of gratitude to that we're willing to, you know, kill the bad guys and also willing to be killed for our uh, freedom and our safety and our um, ability to do this podcast. So I wanted to give a shout out to them. Um, and just say that uh, have a great Memorial Day and and Blummer, we won't be together having a cocktail or a, a beer on Memorial Day, but I'll be thinking about you and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, our next podcast. It'll be good. This was a good one. Also, we appreciate everybody being along with us. Those are great words. It's amazing how the expectation is there on those guys, but until you say it out loud, you, that's when it sets in. And uh, great work on the podcast from you, Tuttle. Great job by everybody at home who is watching this, listening to it on our podcast on all major platforms. Again, bleacherblums.com, or you can go to the social Nostra channel on YouTube and find us in video format, or as Tuttle likes to call it, a podcast. But uh, until then, especially on this Memorial Day weekend, we want you all to get out there, get after it. Most of all, believe it. 